0: Were created by man, they rebelled. they they are, human. And are they are human. So say we all. <laughs>
1: Hello and welcome to Galactica Actually. I am Jamie Smith and joining me is my co-host, Adiallo Jackson.
0: Hello, how are you doing today?
1: I'm good. Um, Today we'll be talking about Season 2, Episode 4, Resistance. Anders is here.
0: Yeah, yeah, you are very happy, I'm sure.
1: I am. (laughs) Um, But first things first. If you're watching Battlestar along with us on Peacock... I learned today that it's leaving the service at the end of June.
0: Oh snap! Really?
1: Yeah. Where's it and going? This keeps happening. I don't know. That's the thing. This keeps happening to shows I covered. I cover. It happened with Lost when we were doing that. When my friend and I were doing that, um, the show left Netflix and we were panicking. So I bought the DVDs for the season we were covering for myself and for her. And then, like the same day that it left Netflix, it appeared on Hulu. There was no announcement whatsoever that that's where it was going, so the same thing could happen with this. I I just don't know because NBC Universal is who that was the studio that produced the show. Right, and Peacock is NBC, so
0: yeah. So where like where where would it go? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> that's crazy. But
1: like you and I both bought the entire series on Blu-ray, so yeah. it won't disrupt our coverage.
0: Yeah,
1: but. It could disrupt if people are watching this for the first time along with us or if they're just rewatching like I Googled it. I couldn't find any information about where it's going, but I don't think it's not going somewhere. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah, it's got to be going somewhere. Like, you know, um, I had I was kind of I had started watching uh, Orphan Black again mm-hmm. and of um, like in the middle of the first season and all of a sudden it just was gone because it was on uh BBC America and AMC Plus and then it was mm-hmm. just gone. And then it felt like it was gone for a year and then my friend just told me like she's like, "Oh, it's back on AMC Plus again now." So I hmm. don't know where these I don't know where it went. <laughs> I don't I don't know yeah. where these shows go. Uh they don't really tell you anything. It's the revolution um of just buying physical media has coming back in full strength and I'm definitely a proponent of it now because I'm tired of what you just talked about. So. Yeah, well,
1: that's why when you got the box set pretty inexpensive, mm-hmm. I was like, well, shit, I only have it on DVD. Yeah. I'd rather have it on Blu-ray. Mm-hmm. And so I looked on Amazon and it was, it was only like 58 bucks or something. So I bought it too. Yeah. I'm glad I did. Um, but that's also why like I have the entire series of parks and recreation i have several shows like i just bought all of agents of shield when it was leaving netflix and i wasn't sure if it was going to disney plus or not mm-hmm. and i just rewatched it and remembered like i really really love that show i want to be able to watch it more mm-hmm. so i bought that too like it's good as a backup because all these shows that are streaming these are licenses and these streamers, it's the wild, wild west. They're just doing whatever the hell they want.
0: Yeah, it's chaos right now. It's yeah. just It's a. It's just a. Yeah. So Battlestar
1: Galactica is the kind of show that actually won a Peabody Award. Right. It is <laughs> inc- incredibly beloved. So I can't imagine that NBC Universal is going to be like, let's give it over to Freebie. I mean, so we can make money off of it, you know? I mean, but maybe, that maybe they could will. Be,
0: that maybe that that could be. People seem to like. Freebie and Tubi, I can't, you know me, I can't stand Tubi. I can't stand the thought of it, but it might, that I might didn't be I not
1: know what that is.
0: It, it's the same thing, like, you know, ad-supported um, no. streaming. But, I can't do ads. Yeah, me neither. Cannot do them, but that's a lot of people <laughs> can. And so they're, yeah. you know, I think that as, they're, as these companies are, you know, trying to figure out how to monetize stuff, that just might be the direction everything's going back to. So it's like we're just going back to where it all started, so...
1: On cable, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I know. I just heard something about how, like, I don't know which streamers it was, but they're like partnering up with some cable company. It's like, oh, so we're just recreating the wheel. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there was like Verizon. You all something.
1: broke off so you could make a bunch of money. Yeah, and now you're just like, hey, let's bundle these services together. And like, I'm pretty sure that's oh, cable. Fuck.
0: Yeah, there was a good article just in the past week or so about just how this how <laughs> streaming is. I mean, it's kind of a bust for a lot of these companies. Netflix started it; all, all the other companies tried to jump on, but there's not there's no real money up front with it. Um, and they were, I think it's like because Netflix played things like a tech company where you don't really have to show profit up front when TV right. wasn't like that. And and so now all of these companies are operating like tech companies, but they're not seeing the revenue. And then that's affecting, like, you know, we're in the midst of the writer strike and um, mm-hmm. actors. And so all that stuff is connected. Yeah, I don't know. I, um, I like I said, I think I'm just more and more, I'm just buying the Blu-rays because I'm over it, you know?
1: Yeah. I I like having... Physical media, anyway. I'm just old school in that way. Like, I it's weird to me that I don't buy CDs the way I used to, because I listen to music a lot. But now I just listen to it on Spotify, mm-hmm. and I think that's why I've sort of leaned so heavily into buying it on vinyl.
0: I just saw an article that um, albums are like for the first time for the first time since '87. I think um, there are more albums sold than CDs.
1: It's because they're rad. Yeah. Like, I had some vinyl when I was in high school, but I didn't have a record player anymore. Mm -hmm. And now, like, this started because my dad gave me all of his Billy Joel records. And then he sent me... He'd found a bunch of records when he was, like, unpacking something or reorganizing and sent me this, like, whole stack of records. And then some friends of mine who were in a band, they were reissuing one of their albums on vinyl for the first time. And I was like, Oh shit, I need one of those. So I bought one to support them. And then my boyfriend was like, well, you need a record player. So he got me a nice record player for my birthday that year. Nice. And ever since then, it's like all these albums come out and the, like often the vinyl is different colors and, Mm -hmm. It's just so nice to have these, like, big pictures. I don't know. I just, it's so much more satisfying, too, to just put a record on and listen to it that way. Mm -hmm. Like, even, like, the new Harry Styles album came out, and I bought it on vinyl and listened to it that way before I listened to it on Spotify. It was very satisfying. So, I fully support it. Everybody should buy vinyl. It's really fun. It's
0: just so funny where, like, it's, like, everything, we're just kind of going back to it's a solid even like uh with you know or when books uh when like kindle first came out Mm -hmm. like everyone thought oh there goes the books but people were like i never stopped buying books yeah it's still like the that feel of the smell i love that i went to a bookstore a few months ago and just the smell hit me i'm like oh love that i just love that smell
1: so I'm fine with us going backwards in that respect.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Every other way this country is trying to go backwards, I'm not <laughs> okay with. But if we want to go back to like physical media <laughs> and, you know, the the warmth of hearing something, th- you know, on vinyl or the feel of a book in your hand, like I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. I I don't want technology to go backwards or too far forward either. Like I don't want AI either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I also don't want
1: the country to turn things back to like, I'm a woman, are you going to take away my credit cards? Because 40 years ago, women couldn't have them.
0: This is I don't so want to go back there. It's so wild. It's yeah. Crazy.
1: Anyway, we're not talking about that past. We're talking about this past, which is a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away.
0: Um, I think it's in the same galaxy. Um but yeah, it's definitely (laughs) a long time ago. At least over a hundred thousand years. Right. Yeah.
1: Um and we're here to talk about Samuel T. Anders.
0: Yeah, it's the Samuel (laughs) T. Anders. It was the Hilo uh Love Fest last episode. Now it's It was not
1: the Hilo Love Fest, it was the Crashdown Love Fest.
0: Oh, it was it? I don't even remember. My memory's faltering. But um (laughs) I wrote an elegy and everything. You did just forgot. Samuel T. Anders. Here we go. Yeah. You've been waiting for this for for a while.
1: I have. Um, as I've said many times before, I started watching the show late in season two and then went back to watch what I missed, and I eventually caught up with the series. But the season two DVDs were split into two releases,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and when I started watching that season, the first part of that was not out yet. So... I met Anders when we see him in Downloaded and then Lay Down Your Burdens at the end of the season. Okay. And so I knew when I got to these episodes that they were going to see him again. But the audience who watched this in real time, you know, you get these two episodes with this guy that they, you know, she has a spark with and whatever, and then she goes back and, like, maybe... He's coming back. Maybe he's not. But when Michael Truco was originally cast, he said this on Trisha Helfer's podcast. He was booked just for resistance in the farm. Mm-hmm. And as far as he knew, and seemingly as far as Ron Moore knew, that was going to be it. He was booked for those two episodes. Yeah. But he said on that podcast, he said that he and Katie had such great chemistry that Ron Moore decided they needed to bring him back if for no other reason than to be a wrench in the Starbuck-Apollo relationship mm. or a disruptor. I can't remember what term he used, but then, of course, Anders becomes much more important later.
0: Yeah, I mean, that's so. a good call. that That's one thing about this show. I mean, they were always good about, like, diverting if they found something mm-hmm. that was better than their initial plans, kind of like the Cylons.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so those initial two episodes turned into 36 for him and the plan which by the way i was sort of diving into the wiki about this show um sort of clicked links and it led me to the planet. so i just read the wikipedia page about yeah. the plan i'd forgotten most of that i've watched it once basically their plan was that cavill wanted to prove to the final five that humans were terrible by putting them amongst the humans Yeah. And that's why his plan backfire is, he's not very smart,
0: I guess. I mean, he was was like the most petulant of all of the Cylons, I guess.
1: Yeah. I'm interested to go back and watch it, I think, just out of curiosity towards the end of this or after we're done with this. Just because I don't remember it being very good, but.
0: It wasn't. I mean, my, uh, my 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 memory was that the parts with Simon were interesting, but the parts that show were basically like clip show flashbacks or whatever. That uh-huh. wasn't, you know.
1: And I I realized in reading this that like Mary McDonald's not even in it.
0: Oh, she's not. <laughs> no. Yeah.
1: Anyway, we're not talking about the plan. We are talking about the resistance. We don't start with the resistance though. We start with Ty interrogating Chief he decides or he's decided that chief must have known that boomer was a cylon and was a conspira a conspirator or in incon- i don't know what is the word i'm looking for
0: you say yeah conspirator yeah
1: and like he knew that she was going to try to assassinate adama mm-hmm. and chief like basically can't admit that he had his suspicions because that would incriminate himself. So he invokes his article 21 rights chief denies being a Cylon. And Ty talks about how Roslyn came up with a method for killing Cylons, just putting them out the airlock. Chief talks about his parents says his dad was a preacher and his mom was an Oracle. (laughs) Do we know where chief was from?
0: Um, up to this point or I know they, what,
1: what colony was he from?
0: I think they say it later, because he says that very same line um, later when he, like, thinks he's a Cylon, I think. Um, or when he, right before he sees the Final Five. But I can't remember from, uh, what uh, okay. what colony he said he was from.
1: But he's not from Geminon, which is a very religious one.
0: Yeah, definitely not from Geminon. Until we find out that he's from Geminon later, I'm sure.
1: Uh, <laughs> I'll look it up. <laughs> um. But he also talks about how long he's been in the military, all the battle stars he's worked on, which includes the Pegasus. Which I'm curious if that gets mentioned again.
0: Yeah, uh, I, I did the um, the uh, Leonardo DiCaprio pointing meme. If that exists, <laughs> if that existed back then, that's what I would have done because that's the first. I think that's the first time they mentioned the Pegasus and It your, is old school Battlestar fan and you're watching the new one and they said the Pegasus your, your mind explodes when you hear that so <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ty doesn't care about this though and punches him really really hard in the mouth using his flask um, knocks him out of his chair and Chief is pleading with him saying how much he loves Adama and Ty says that Boomer said the same thing he whoa, doesn't whoa. call her Boomer though I think he says your girlfriend said the same thing Mm -hmm. and then orders him to be taken to the brig and we see a drop of Chief's blood hit the floor and Ty storms into the hallway and throws his flask but immediately turns back and picks it up and we see that there's some of Chief's blood on it. So Tyrell is brought to the brig and put in the same cell as Boomer and she starts crying when she sees him because she thought he was on Cobol but he shoves her away And tells her not to talk to him or to touch him. And if she does, he'll kill her. And she looks so hurt. And she doesn't know what's going on.
0: Between this and we'll get into the scene after, um, I was actually thinking about the timing of this. I don't know that they uh, specifically say. But in my head, anyways, it's been a a few days since they got off COBOL.
1: Um, I believe so. Just based on... um... Lee's conversation in a couple of scenes with D. Yeah. Dee.
0: yeah. And it seems I only, like it's been a few days. Yeah, and I only say any of this because I always need to reconcile the last scene, last few scenes of this episode with the reappearance of our friend. It seemed, it seemed too quick, so sometimes I'm like, maybe it was a week, maybe it was a few days. I needed to always, you know. Anyways, we'll get to it.
1: Okay. So we go to Caprica and we see there's this ragtag group of humans making their way through the forest with guns.
0: This was an this was another reason why I thought like maybe this was like a like some days later because it took them a while to get like to the mountains, you know.
1: Um are they in mountains?
0: Well, they said they were when they they said it was high altitude training. Um, That's
1: where they were when the attack
0: happened. Uh yeah.
1: They came down and realized what was going on.
0: Yeah, I guess you're right, yeah.
1: And now they're back in the... Because they're in Delphi.
0: Yeah. Okay, Um, never mind. I take it back.
1: (laughs) So they see... We see Anders. He doesn't like that there's no sign of any centurions on the perimeter. And he says that human toasters don't go anywhere alone. This woman that we first meet is named Sushan and she asks if they're bait and he doesn't think a pair of silons would drive up to where they are in broad daylight after their, their group hit the convoy the previous week. And so he thinks for a moment and then tells <clears throat> her to tell the rest of the group to sight in because he wants to kill these silons before they know what hits them. And he levels his gun sight and we see that he's aiming at Starbuck and Hilo, who have stopped to consult a map on the hood of her giant car. And what they are trying to do is figure out where they are. Hilo is surprised that she doesn't know. And she says, you're the navigator. And he says, you were driving. (laughs) And we see, again, Andar's pointing his gun at them before we go to the credits. After the credits, Starbuck is laying out a plan to go to Cups Point where there's an emergency airstrip. But Hilo said he's already been there and there's nothing there. He thinks they should go Mm -hmm. southwest. Suddenly she stops because she hears a twig snap. And so they move behind the car and gather a bunch of guns from inside. And he's like been in some bad neighborhoods. And she says, better safe than sorry. (laughs) And then the resistance fighters open fire and they duck behind the car. She realizes that they're sitting ducks. And so he tells her to go and he'll cover and they bicker about that a little bit. And then she runs while he shoots back at people shooting at them and then he tells her there's about there are five of them about 50 meters away so she covers for him so that he can meet up with her behind some kind of fence thing she says she didn't see any shiny silver so she thinks they're dealing with the human Cylons and Hilo says he hopes so they're not as hard to kill and she says but they bleed good and then they shoot a little bit and then run
0: this ends up being one of the longest uh, gun scenes in the history of TV and cinema. Really? I was just kidding, but it's like, because <laughs> we, we cut away and we come back to yeah. 15 minutes later and they're still shooting. But anyway.
1: I don't think it was, I think it's probably just a, no, less than 15 minutes. Yeah,
0: I know, totally. <laughs>
1: um, on the Galactica, Callie rushes up to Baltar and starts filling him in on Chief's situation. And he says he knows he's on his way to speak with Ty and he thinks that Ty wants him to clear the chief of being a Cylon and she says or what throw him out an airlock and then she says if Adama was in charge that would never happen and Baltar's like well Adama's not in charge now Callie says that she's known chief for years he's no toaster Walter points out that he was involved with Boomer, who was most certainly a toaster, and then Head Six pops in and says she doesn't like that term. It's racist. Callie says that Chief just used bad judgment getting involved with Boomer, but that doesn't make him a toaster. Six, meanwhile, is needling Gaius to tell Callie he won't have her saying racial epithets. He basically ignores her and tells Kelly that there isn't anything he can do to help the chief because the silent detector he made clearly doesn't work. She insists that he has to help him. Six continues with what she's saying about your your child will be half toaster and how's that going to make you feel? And he responds to Kelly but also to Six that nothing would make him happier but he doesn't know what he can say. He starts to walk away. And Callie says that Chief helped him by not telling anyone about what he did to crash down on Kobol. And he grabs her and pushes her against the wall and says that what he did to crash down saved her life. And then asks if she's blackmailing him. And she says to help the Chief to help himself and walks away. And then Six is like, well, yeah, that is what you do best.
0: Callie was unhinged. She is unhinged Mm -hmm. in this episode.
1: (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Woo. Like, first of all, trying to blackmail him when he saved your life.
0: Yeah. The takes some nerve. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and like, I don't know. Like, she doesn't go about anything the right way in this episode. At all. Mm-mm.
0: The sheer unmitigated gall of her. <laughs> <laughs> she is unhinged yeah oh man
1: so we go to the CIC and Ty wants to know what's wrong with the Cylon detector since it gave Boomer a pass and Baltar says that it was a beta test and he hadn't perfected his methodology
0: wait can I have you stop one second yeah can I, I need to make a really quick correction he didn't say it was a beta test he said it was a beta test
1: oh yes he did say beta
0: <laughs> I had to write that down on my notes. as I had to look it up <laughs> A beta test.
1: (laughs) I guess that's how uh, the Errolon say it. (laughs) Um, While this is happening, D is handing Ty multiple things that he has to sign. And I think between his frustration with Baltar anytime Baltar is around and then his frustration with D handing him all of these pieces of paper to sign or whatever, and what he's gotten himself into with martial law he's just getting more and more like agitated. He wants to know what that means, beta testing and methodology and so none of the tests were right. they're back to square one. they have no way of knowing who are Cylons and Baltar pivots and says he has developed new protocols since then and Ty goes from like, not zero to 60, but he just kind of is like, I don't want to hear your techno babble. It's like he's taking his frustrations out on Baltar when he asks him to test Chief's blood.
0: And I mean, it's a tricky kind of thing here because like, obviously, I mean, Ty is on to something a little bit there Mm -hmm. As, as, uh, as out of pocket as he's been this past episode or two. Um, obviously, yeah, the, that Cylon, they put all those resources and gave Baltar the nuclear warhead, um, uh, and they were like, everything was hinging on these testings. And mm-hmm. now not only did it quote unquote fail, but it caused them, you know, Adama to get shot and he could potentially be dying soon. So yeah. What's up with that doctor? And like it calls right. all of the things that he's done into question, and mm-hmm. we know Baltar like you know let it pass, and he was pat, and he just said he's just gonna everybody passes. So yeah, for the viewer, it's a kind of a tricky situation to to kind of watch.
1: Yeah, Ty says that he wants definitive answers about whether Chief is a silent or not. So get down there and do something right for a change. So Baltar pulls the vice president card and says that he should be acting president with Roslyn unable to do her duties. And Ty reminds him that he's declared martial law, which makes Baltar nothing. So if he wants to remain out of the brig, he better get to work. As Baltar walks away, Head Six asks him if he's tired of the constant humiliation from colonels and mechanics. Hmm. He asks what she thinks. or Well, not really. He just says, what do you think? And she says, it's time he did something about it. Then Gaeta approaches Ty with a report from the captains of the fleet reporting protests, demonstrations, petitions, and some civil disobedience across the fleet over the declaration of martial law. The... uh, Turian refining vessel has stopped refining the tilium until the civil government has been restored, and three other ships are refusing to resupply the Galactica until the president is reinstated. Ty is in over his head, and he walks away.
0: Those tilium I- miners are trouble, man.
1: I don't know what Ty thought was going to happen.
0: Yeah, he didn't like, think. Did
1: he not? <laughs>
0: yeah, he didn't. He yeah, didn't think. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So we go to the briefing room and Lee is addressing the pilots about the tillium shortage, but they're more concerned about when he's going to rejoin their card game. Lee brushes them off and they keep asking him and, Oh, we've got a game coming up today. And he finally just yells at them to knock it off before leaving the briefing room.
0: (laughs) My notes right there. I wrote bros wound so tight.
1: He is, but also like, I didn't know that Lee was out there playing cards with these guys all that much. Knock it off. (laughs) (laughs) He goes in the hallway and some guards like immediately join up with him. And as he's walking down the hall, he runs into D and greets her with fancy meeting you here, which is clearly this like code that they have developed and he asks her about his father. She says he's the same, sedated, resting since his surgery. And then she mentions that there's trouble brewing in the fleet. He says he's not surprised and asks what kind of trouble. And she gives him a brief overview of the things that we just learned. And Lee says that the honeymoon, this is the honeymoon period, and what is a dictator to do? And she, like, chuckles and then says she wishes he were in command. He sort of cautions her about saying that and she tells him that Ty is hitting the bottle a lot. And then they reach the brig, so he thanks her for her company and salutes her <laughs> and she watches him walk away, admiring the view.
0: Yeah, D's Dee's, you... Dee's making moves. <laughs> she is, yeah. she's out there out there in them screets.
1: Yeah. Out there in those hallways. <laughs>
0: um the All line right. about um Ty drinking more you know back when he was interrogating tyrol at the beginning like he was openly drinking at that point which i thought yeah. was like an interesting like you know note um you know doesn't hide pulls the flask out hits him with it throws it in the hallway a little bit later it's it just like it's not a secret anymore
1: well i guess when you declare martial law you don't have to follow any protocol
0: yeah i guess not <laughs>
1: well speaking of ty we go to his quarters and he is sitting at his desk looking at something And ellen asks if he's okay he says he feels like his head is going to roll off his shoulders she asks him what he's working on and he says he's trying to figure out the resupply problem now that half the fleet has gone on strike he's thinking that he'll sit with the captains of each ship and explain why he's declared martial law. And she says, screw them. They don't need an explanation. And he thinks it would cool things down. And my notes say that his instincts are correct, but she's a low-rent Lady Macbeth.
0: I, I, I wrote Ellen Wormtongue. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. she's, yeah. <laughs> she's
1: like appalled that he'd be trying to come to a compromise instead of exerting his new power. And then she just like plays him like a fiddle with her passive aggressively like saying you're the boss. Far be it from me to tell you how to do your job. I know that's one of your issues. And he says he knows what she's doing and eggs her on rather than telling her to shut up. She says it all seems so touchy-feely and it isn't what Bill would do. It like completely ignoring the fact that Bill would never declare martial law. Mm-hmm. She tells him that they'll respect him no matter what he does eventually. And Ty just falls for all of this. And like immediately picks up the phone and calls Geta. Tells him to inform the fleet. Resupply operations of this ship are not, repeat, not optional. All ships to recommence scheduled supply runs immediately. Failure to comply will result in stern measures. And then turns to Ellen and says, happy now? Like, <laughs> I hate them together.
0: Yeah, uh, and like I said, Ellen Wormtongue, <laughs> she just... and He says it a little bit later, but just... he. She gets in his head and starts, he starts declaring martial law, you know?
1: They're like the opposite of happy wife, happy life, because I think if she was happy, she wouldn't really be happy because she'd still want more. Yeah. So she would make him miserable.
0: She'd be a good candidate to be on one of those reality shows. Maybe she'd be like a Housewives of Caprica or something. <laughs> I've
1: never watched any of those, so I don't know what those women are like, but uh, if they're like Ellen, then I really don't want to watch any
0: yeah i've I've been forced to watch it a couple of times you know. um but yeah, it just kind of i mean, what you would expect <laughs> not like not quite like Ellen, but they're their own version of you know Bapid or something, yeah, but yeah, just um but yeah, she definitely is just she's. I think we said it before like she's just like chaos kind of like yeah things can't be going good if things are going good she's got to find a way to mess it up
1: yeah she's just always grasping for more <clears throat> she's not satisfied with anything that she has and i wouldn't imagine that she would be here on the galactica just based on you know what we learned about what she was like before they yeah. were stuck on the Galactica,
0: you know? Yeah, I think it's funny you bring that up because I was actually kind of thinking about that when I was watching this episode. Like, this is this is actually a situation she hasn't really been in before. And so, on Galactica. Yeah. And yeah, so like this dynamic is something that's actually, in, is a little new, actually. Not the, I'm sure it was very codependent and everything, but just the dynamic when it comes to command and all that stuff. And these might be like she's kind of forced into the situation she's like taking the opportunity to find new ways to sow seeds of destruction where she can yeah,
1: yeah. It's a lot of ellen in this episode it's a um, lot
0: <laughs>
1: so we go back to caprica the fight between the resistance fighters, Starbuck and Hilo, is continuing. Eventually, they end up with Anders and Hilo pointing their guns at each other. Starbuck comes up behind Anders and just says, hi, pointing her gun at him. Anders points guns at both of them. And then his people emerge from their hiding spots. And so now they're outnumbered. And Starbuck tells them that they're not Cylons. And he says, right, you have a soul. You swim in the stream. We've heard it all before. <laughs> Hilo points out that their colonials see the uniforms and Anders says that they've seen Cylons wearing the uniforms too and says that his group are humans. And Kara's like, yeah, right. Everyone on Cobalt, or I wrote Cobalt, everyone on Caprica is dead. And Anders says, she's not, like, you're not. And she says, yeah, I just got here. And she wants to hear some names. So he says his name is Anders and Hilo suddenly recognizes him as Samuel T. Anders. Mm-hmm. And he confirms. And Hilo looks around and recognizes the other people and says their names. Joe Mann, Raleigh, Ten Tenpoint, Sushan, Kripke, Morris Fink. And then he says, Kara, these are the Caprica Buccaneers. And she's like, I don't think so. And Sushan tells her to give her a ball and just shove it up Kara's ass. Kara is not intimidated. And Hilo suggests that they all just stop pointing guns at each other. So Starbuck asks, how a professional pyramid team survives this Holocaust? And Anders says that they were in the mountains doing high-altitude training when the attack happened. They've been on the run ever since. She asks, doing what? And he says, raiding military stores for ammo, anti-radiation meds, plugging toasters whenever they show up. Hilo says that that's what they've been doing, too. So Starbucks then tests Anders asking how many fouls he had in the playoffs against Errolon and he says three and she says wrong it was four and he says it was three and that the last one was called back on instant replay and then Hilo's like that's true Starbuck I lost 20 cubits on that game (laughs) and they lower their guns and Starbuck negs Anders about how the team sucks
0: I love that you know you guys suck right
1: (laughs) And he says everyone's a critic. So, in on the podcast, on Trisha Helfer's podcast, he said that he sort of thought of this like it's as, as if Anders was like Tom Brady or something. We're like recognizable, mm-hmm. a recognizable athlete. Like, yeah. Um, and I thought about that while I was watching this because I listened to that episode before I rewatched this episode, and I felt like if he was Tom Brady level, then
0: it would Kilo not... should
1: have recognized him right away
0: right away yeah it's like
1: so i don't know what equivalent it would be where he recognized the name like maybe i don't know i was gonna say james harden but like even i would recognize james harden
0: you know it's actually funny like <laughs> it, it could have been like aaron Rodgers, but cause i would aaron, recognize aaron Rodgers no, too because no, aaron Rodgers like could show up like all disheveled with a beard and you know whatever but no it could like it's probably it could be like a Maybe like it's like a, a Josh
1: Allen or something.
0: Yeah, like a second tier kind of guy that hasn't quite like you. He's, he's famous, whatever, but you might not only you might only know him if you pay attention to the sport, rather than him being a pop culture um, yeah. phenomenon. Yeah, like Jamie Tart or something.
1: <sighs> do do
0: do 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 do. do. <laughs> <laughs>
1: just a little aside since you mentioned jamie tart i don't know how ted lasso pulled it off
0: i wait that i haven't i, fin- I haven't finished I,
1: it doesn't you've oh, okay. watched some of the third season though
0: yeah yeah i just how finished. They... i just finished the amsterdam episode this morning and
1: great ha- it applies
0: having watched how... it i don't know how people i can see why people were upset that's all i'll say
1: Oh, well, I don't know. I don't know what people are upset about. It. I don't care. <laughs> I want to know how they managed to make Jamie Tart one of the most likable characters on this show after him mm-hmm. being such an ass. They mm-hmm. pulled off a miracle. I care about him so much. Yeah. And I never expected that. So
0: Jamie. <laughs>
1: anyway, back to this. We go back to the Galactica and Corporal Venner is giving Rosalind her medication and a little something from the galley. She turns to Lee and says Kamala and licorice and offers him some licorice. He says he hates licorice. She does too, but she takes a big bite of it.
0: Uh, In my notes, I wrote, black licorice is nasty. Some things are universal.
1: I don't mind black licorice. (laughs) Oh, man. I know I'm like in a minority. I don't mind it.
0: It's like, disgusting. I don't go seeking
1: out the black jelly beans or anything, but mm. I don't mind black licorice.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, they make it so somebody likes it. So, you know, but.
1: In, like, Sweden, they make salted black licorice. Oh, and really? And that sounds so weird, and I really want to try it. Mm. He mm. notes that it's interesting that Venner still calls her Madam President and that she still has support. And she then says that she has a bad feeling about this. No. She says something ugly is coming and she can feel it.
0: she got a bad feeling about this.
1: (laughs) In the CIC, Gaeta tells Ty that the refinery captains are still not cooperating and now seven more ships are refusing to release their supplies. Food, medicine, even coffee. And it's like the coffee is the last straw for Ty. It's like coffee? (laughs) And then I realized, like, you can't really get rid of those hangovers without coffee. Yeah. He says it's time to get their attention and that he's sending in Marines. He wants a Raptor and an armed Marine boarding party for every ship that's refusing to resupply. Gita tells him that they're stretched pretty thin, and he's not sure that they have enough non comms to command that many boarding parties. Ty tells him to pull pilots and deck officers to command the boarding parties if he has to just make it happen. So we cut to... The heavy hauler transport Gideon, and the civilians are protesting the boarding party, and some guy named Hammerhead is yelling at them to step back and stay out of the way and no one will get hurt. They're just there for supplies, which I think the crowd knows. The crowd continues to yell and push and eventually throws coffee at the Marines and a mini riot ensues and gun sh- a gunshot goes off and incompetent cops are going to cop. So after one gunshot, they all start shooting unarmed civilians and Hammerhead yells for a ceasefire after four people are shot.
0: So Hammerhead was one of the pilots that was in the earlier scene with uh, Apollo when they were talking about that. I think he was the one that mentioned the card game. And so he was—he was the one that was sent because they had no more uh, marines to go. So he was like, "Ty was like, send deck hands and pilots mm-hmm. or whatever." Um, but yeah, anyways, that was his little <clears throat> deal.
1: So we go to the sick bay, and Ty wonders out loud how four people could be dead. And Cottle says, "What do you expect, genius? He put a pilot in charge of crowd control." Which goes back to what you said last week about Coddles like the only person who can talk to Adama (laughs) and Roslyn and Ty and everybody the way Mm -hmm. that he does. Because Ty doesn't even say anything.
0: I was going to say, yeah, Ty actually looks like he loses confidence or something in that right after that he says it, which you don't see that often from Ty.
1: Right. (laughs) And so he yells for Hammerhead. He asks if he gave the order to shoot on the crowd – Hammerhead says, no, but things got crazy. People were yelling and screaming at them, and then it got violent. They were throwing canisters at them. Coffee, he thinks. Ty is annoyed. He says, they shot people over coffee. Hammerhead says, it was out of control. People were pressing on them. His men were getting hurt. Someone took a shot, but he doesn't know who. And then all hell broke loose. Ty walks away and goes to Adama's bedside and says, if they ever needed him, it's now.
0: Uh, Ron Moore talks about the scene in the director's commentary uh, and he says it's um, because I think I think some people said it was like Kent State but he was like it's more like uh, the Boston Massacre is
1: it? Yeah, yeah so originally one of the things they had written on their board was Kent State mm-hmm. because that was the military or you know yeah cops shooting civilians mm-hmm. um but then they they ended up once they started doing it thinking of it more like the Boston massacre because in that it was soldiers who ended up shooting a bunch of people because they started throwing things at them tea um, instead and...
0: of coffee no, i'm just kidding <laughs> <laughs>
1: um and that was at the beginning or Right before the Revolutionary War really started,
0: yeah, it's where the first uh, the first person to die, technically, uh, Crispus Attucks was a uh, black man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, that's why yeah. I know it. <laughs>
1: um, I learned that a few years ago.
0: Oh, did you just a few years ago? It was on Good Times back in the seventies. How did you not know this?
1: Because <laughs> I was a. <laughs> little baby in the
0: 70s (laughs) and because i had public
1: education that taught us some things about the american revolutionary war and not not as much as i've learned on my own since so i learned it since
0: (laughs) the greatest Uh, irony is i went to like christian schools when i was like in elementary and i learned all these things that they're trying to suppressed now it's crazy i don't know what happened <laughs>
1: everybody lost their minds i
0: don't know <laughs> um
1: so in the brig roslyn is being filled in on what's happening in the fleet she says troops shooting unarmed civilians this is a travesty he has truly stepped over the line it'll cause an explosion in the fleet The press will have a field day. The ships will begin to splinter. The Cylons will be able to eliminate us a few ships at a time. We've got to get out of here now. Apollo agrees. She's glad and says she wants to take Billy and Alosha with her, which Apollo figured. And he says he's already worked out a way to get them into the hangar deck. He just needs to secure a raptor and then needs to get clearance off the ship, but he knows how to do that. She asks where they're going where they will go once they're off the Galactica. And he says he has an idea, but she's not going to like it. And we go back to Ty's quarters and he tells Ellen that he's not cut out for this. He never was. Ellen tells him not to talk like that and that this is his moment. He says it was supposed to be him and Bill side by side, not him alone. And Ellen, ever the supportive spouse, says that it is him alone, so he'd better deal with it. He doesn't want to. He never wanted a command. He's frustrated with her and asks why he ever listened to her. Those are good instincts that he then forgets about. She says she didn't tell him to send troops out to the ships. He says, no, you just manipulate. You put in the knife and you twist it. She says he's blaming her for his inadequacies. And then she says that he's so passive that if she didn't push him, he'd never get his head out of the bottle. And he throws his drink and grabs her. She slaps him, they fight a little, and then they start kissing because
0: they're gross. <laughs> so there's there's a scene in Zoolander <laughs> where Mugatu and his assistant have this like little moment where they're like, it, uh, it reminded me of this make-out scene. It's like, you're terrible, you're terrible, and all of a sudden they start making out. I literally was like, this reminds me of something. And then I was like, oh yeah, it's that one little quick little scene in Zoolander, these two.
1: It's like, it's no wonder, spoilers for later, that he sort of falls for six, because she's nice to
0: him. I totally forgot about
1: that. <laughs> <laughs> Uh. like she he's been with Ellen for so long who treats him like shit and their whole relationship is like based on this like hatred like it's like how people think they're supposed to fight if they're in a relationship like your relationship's not healthy if you don't fight and I don't believe that because like arguments are fine arguments are healthy because no, everybody has things they need, you know. Nobody's perfect. No relationship is perfect. So you've got to argue every once in a while. But fighting, like full-on fighting, is not healthy. And you shouldn't be with somebody that you just fight with and are angry at all the time. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I, I hate them together.
0: I mean, I like them together, but just because <laughs> it's... I mean, I'm here to see chaos, so it's fine, but I totally get what you're saying.
1: <laughs> it's just so gross, and i God, at this point, like this is the height of me just hating Ellen. can't stand her in the brig. Chief and Boomer sit on opposite sides of the door, and she says she's really he really must hate her. She says she's sorry that he got pulled into this. But what they had, and he cuts her off to say that what they had was nothing. She's a machine and he's not. She says that whatever she is, she knows what she felt. And he says that she doesn't have feelings, she has software. Baltar enters and is led into the cell and he asks how Chief is. Chief asks what he wants and Baltar says he's there to determine whether or not you're a Cylon. Boomer points out that Baltar's test doesn't work so well considering it gave her the green light. Baltar says it works fine and injects Chief with something rather than takes his blood. And Chief pretty much immediately passes out. Sharon rushes over and Baltar tells her that he lied to her. He covered up her true nature for his own purposes. She asks what Baltar gave Chief because he's not breathing. Baltar confirms that he's dying. But he can save him if she tells him how many Cylon models there are in the fleet. Boomer's freaking out, says she doesn't know. She doesn't feel a pulse. Baltar says she does know. It's buried in whatever she calls the subconscious. She says she doesn't know. Baltar tells her that Chief doesn't have time for this. His organs are shutting down. In 10 seconds, he'll experience brainstem death. Does she love him? Only she can save him. How many models? And he starts counting down. 10, 9, do you love him? She yells 8. There are 8 models in the fleet. Baltar re- revives Chief and Boomer cries over him as Baltar watches. So I was thinking about this.
0: I was too. <laughs>
1: are there eight models in the fleet?
0: Um, so because yeah, I started writing down the Cylons we have left to meet mm-hmm. and there's at least three that we have le- that are we know are actually on in the fleet. And then I'm assuming that there are multiple copies of them left somewhere that she would know about. It it doesn't make sense that it would be Leobin or uh, Doral because they already put their pictures up. Um, Mm -hmm. So it would have to be multiple copies of uh, Diana, Cavill, and Simon.
1: Okay, so we have not met... Simon and Deanna yet, but we'll mm-hmm. meet them soon. So we have met six models. We mm-hmm. know there are 12, and there's a final five. Mm-hmm. So
0: she wouldn't there's... know about oh, the final then... five uh, because I thought about Cavill. that too. She wouldn't know about the final five yet. So, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, nine,
1: 12, five, yeah, so uh, it's Doral uh, Leobin, Leobin, six Boomer, uh, Simon, Deanna, Cavill, and then the final five. So she says eight. eight models left in the fleet
0: okay
1: that's in no way right because there are not eight models she doesn't I mean, know I... about the final five but if she did if she knew that there were 12 total i'm trying to make this math work because well, no, so i think I... she just yelled out eight because she was panicking
0: yeah I, th- I mean that there's there's a couple questions that i have about this scene and that's one of them like Was there eight? But when she says eight, I didn't, when I hear models, I take it to mean a like specific number of Cylon individuals, not like, like, you think that
1: she meant people?
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's just how I, this is how I took it.
1: I took it as models, but actually, it does, the math does work out to eight if you count the final five, which is. Five of the twelve models.
0: Yeah, but she she doesn't know about the she, they don't I don't think they know about the final five though, and they wouldn't know that they were in the fleet either, because I thought about that too. It's true. Yeah. So that so, I just yeah. think it's like she. So there's three that we have yet to meet, so that there's at least three of them, and then there's I in my head it was just like there's five other, you know, models for Cylons that she just knows of that they're hiding out and that 47,000 know, people left in the fleet count.
1: Know. Um, so of the... This is probably so boring. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: but,
1: but of the Cylons that we do eventually meet that are on the fleet, we've got a Simon that... Actually, we don't learn about him until the plan. Deanna. There is a Cavill. And there's a Gina... That's only four. Gina. Gina's not there anyway. She's on the Pegasus. She doesn't right. count.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This was what I was saying. It could be the, uh, it could be the uh, what's her name from? Shelly? Shelly. Yeah, she's it could gone. be Shelly. Yeah, she's gone, but she could still be in the fleet somewhere.
1: Well, I think she yelled out eight because it was a number that came to her, and it's her model number.
0: Yeah, and she, yeah, she, it could just be like that's the number. Technically, that's the number of models of Cylons that were created mm-hmm. total. It is, might, yeah. So it could have been that also. So because
1: there was one that was completely boxed,
0: right, Daniel, which Daniel. caused all of this speculation yep. when they said it's in the Heyman it didn't end up being anything <laughs> yeah but uh yeah so that it could yeah because i i thought about that too when i saw like i was like you know like what did you what did that actually mean because it, it doesn't really like nothing about that number ever really comes to fruition in any sort of like plot points or anything so um don't really know i just took it to i just took it to be literal like in her deep subconscious, she knew that, and she probably she had been in contact with that amount of Cylons over this, the course of time that she's been, you know, been going through the show. So, it's just what she knew. I don't know.
1: I would say it remains to be seen, but I don't think it ever gets brought up again.
0: It never gets brought up again. <laughs> there is, but there is a plan. Yeah. Uh, the other The other question I had about that scene was just uh, I I was wondering if Baltar was actually telling the truth when he said that he was like that Tyrol was actually dying. Like I, I
1: don't think so. I think he gave him a paralytic.
0: Yeah, this is what, I, just what I assumed, and he just was like embellishing it. But because they don't ever acknowledge any of that, I just kind of wonder. Like, was he
1: actually doing that? Yeah. You know? No, he just devised a plan to get her to speak. Mm-hmm. And, you know, have basically have her confirm or deny whether or not Chief is a Cylon. Yeah. Which, to her knowledge, she's not.
0: Yeah, it just, you know, but you know, what I'm saying is, uh, in sort of like a TV convention, there's like, oh, there's an acknowledgement after, oh, it was just a paralytic
1: Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to admit that to her.
0: It was just a paralytic thief.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right, back on Caprica. The Caprica Buccaneers take Starbuck and Hilo to their headquarters. Anders instructs his people to start unloading the weapons they got. He tells Starbuck that they hid an armory earlier and brought home a lot of toys. She asks what this place used to be, and he says it was a high school, and that the toasters don't patrol this area. She asks how many people they have. He says 53, but it was almost 100 before they were ambushed the previous week. She asks if it's more pyramid teams, and he says no. It's survivalists, hikers mostly. Hilo asks about their anti-radiation masks, and Anders says that they raided a couple of hospitals, so he thinks they have enough for three months. He offers to get them some bunk space, and then Hilo tur- or Starbuck turns to Hilo, And says that 53 isn't really an army, but it's better than just the two of them trying to assault an airbase and steal a heavy raider on their own. Mm -hmm. I just wonder what she thinks is going to happen there where, like, let's say that they rally everybody to attack an airbase and get a heavy raider. A heavy raider was never going to take all of these people off the planet. Were they going to take more than one? Does she know that she can fly a heavy raider? She's never been in one.
0: I mean, it's not she like a regular. Fly any, she can fly anything, but I mean, yeah. I know
1: it's Starbuck. But then, who's gonna fly the other ones? Because you're not just gonna like leave all these people who just helped you steal this thing behind, right?
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't think they just were like, "Let's get off this planet." And I mean, it, it kind of. I mean, you know, we see that that was never a <laughs> part of their plan because yeah, it's a, yeah. you know, it's a a plot point for. Some episodes later, um, so yeah, it was never a consideration to like let's get on, let's rescue all these people,
1: right? We go back to Galactica sick bay, and Rosalind tells Doc Cottle that she needs his help, but it will be illegal, dangerous, and a violation of his oath as an officer. And he tells her that she's a lousy salesman. He has such great lines in this episode, by the way.
0: Yeah, see, so a uh, uh, Doc Cottle. Again, love him so much. Mm -hmm. Like, his lines, Ty's lines. Even when Ty's being a dick, it's still great. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Out in the hallway, Billy gives gives Rosalyn thanks to Venner for everything he's done for her. And Venner says, that you know, anything I can do to make things easier on her. And Billy's like, well, in that case, she has a special request. We go back to CIC. Ty is looking at a report. He asks Dee why they're closing down Causeway B. She tells him it's for integrity testing from the damage when the toasters boarded them. She says they've been getting some pressure drops in there. And so Ty instructs them to get that fixed. But then in the bathroom, she's like splashing water on her face. And she's approached by Gata, And He starts up a conversation about how things have been pretty fracked up these days. And she says they're pretty fracked up most days. And he says if people are upset, they should go through proper channels. And she doesn't know what he's talking about. (laughs) He says he was running some maintenance checks and detected some scrambled calls going out over the past couple of days. Does she know anything about that? And she says she doesn't. Off-log calls are against regulations. But he doesn't seem to believe her.
0: I have a note here to myself. And I will share with the Galactica actually uh, listeners. You've ever seen the movie Real Genius?
1: I've only seen it once.
0: There's this character named Kent that's sort of like the you know, teacher's pet of the uh the main professor and he just he was just giving me those vibes.
1: I try to think of it or the way I looked at it is like I'm sort of trying to find the progression of like the evolution of these characters from where mm-hmm. they started to where they end up. And I look at Geta and he obviously is very much about following the rules. Mm-hmm. He's very, not like stuffy by the book, but like he seems to appreciate that there's an order to things, there's a way mm-hmm. things are done. And that tracks with like later he's working for Baltar and they. Yeah,
0: even with bo- the election.
1: The election, yes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, sticking with Baltar on New Caprica, even though he, he doesn't agree with what Baltar is doing, but he took this oath to, you know, basically be his chief of staff or whatever. Mm-hmm. So he, like, sticks with that and hopes to help from the inside. And then when everything falls apart later, he just can't, he can't deal with them partnering up with the Cylons. Like, none of that makes sense to him. That's not the way this is supposed to go. We have been fighting these people. We can't just now call a truce and let them, you know, use their technology to fix our ship. And he cracks. And so it all, like, looking at it as a whole picture for our character, it just makes sense even seeing these little things where it's like, there's these offlog calls. Do you know anything about that? He's not going to, like, turn his friend over without really knowing for sure that it was her. But he's aware that something is happening. Or that she's up to something. She just doesn't know what. The fact that he doesn't later turn her in or say anything to Ty, I think, says more about his friendship with her. Hmm. I think he cares about that friendship. And so he doesn't want to get her in trouble. Especially since, like, what's done is done at this point. Like, why? He's not a he's not a rat.
0: I mean, I literally have in my notes he's a snitch. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Who does he snitch to? I'm just kidding. He, but it just sort of like, like I said, he just, it, it seems like, I mean, everything you said is true, but he's kind of like, like, it's, you know, with like the election, it's sort of like teacher, teacher, you know, like the, the, the ship was sinking and he still decided to like uphold this this thing. And I and it's like it's not like he's he's like not wrong, but he just has this way of not like being able to read the room, I think. You know? So everybody else is like in this fight for their lives and he's just like, nope, like regulation four five nine says we gotta do this. You yeah, know? but that's and, because uh, he
1: didn't want to steal an election. Right. Which I agree with.
0: Yes, I but what I'm saying is like he did. Yeah. So he didn't want to steal the election, but we also, as the viewer know, in this particular instance, that might not have been a bad idea. Oh, right?
1: I'm for sure. It yeah. would have been better if he had allowed them to steal an election because then when the islands took over, they wouldn't have rolled over.
0: Would if have been better enough, for a lot of people. If he hadn't enough- have, I mean, we, that, they might not even have been landed on, they wouldn't have even, yeah, none of that would have happened. <laughs> they wouldn't have been on New Caprica, like, they would, like, none of that, they, you know, the, that, yeah. uh, that, I mean, that bomb might have still gone off, but I doubt it, you know, like, it's, yeah, so it was just like, in terms of, it's, you know, he just, like, he was, he's never quite on track with what the, with the Galactica train like the one know.
1: time that he breaks from his like this is the right thing, this is the or maybe not even the right thing, but this is the thing. This is like the law is when he perjures himself on mm-hmm. the stand mm-hmm. against Baltar.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I, I think you know God, this is like a I think it's kind of a discussion for like the those episodes later, but I yeah. think for him it was it's kinda like the whole um uh the episode after new Caprica when they're hunting down all the um collaborators mm-hmm. I think that's like a switch for him like because he he gets close to
1: oh you yeah know, his friends exiting. were to kill him
0: yeah, and so I think that that that's a first step for him yeah. uh, to really start turning and then you know and then after um uh one of the people that was gonna two of the three of the I can't remember how many people were on that tribunal, but they all ended up being Cylons. A lot of them, mm-hmm. and like, yeah, and then like, yeah, I can see why that like would have made him snap later. Plus, he lost his leg. But
1: no, I think that's really what made him snap. Yeah. Oh,
0: definitely. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> I
1: think that was the last straw.
0: Yeah, that was the last straw.
1: <laughs> when yeah. he finds out that Anders is a Cylon and also <laughs> chopped yeah. off his leg.
0: Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. But anyway, so... yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> He's got a long road.
0: And it and it's not like it's like not disparaging him necessarily either so cuz I you know we love Geta love Geta love Geta but sometimes I'm like dude come on man
1: <laughs> So we go back to Medbay where Apollo is talking to his sleeping father and I say sleeping but he's unconscious <laughs> <laughs> He's not he's not just taking a nap
0: Sweet dreams <laughs>
1: He says, I'm sure you won't approve, but I guess that's nothing new. I just wanted you to know that this isn't about you and me. Goodbye, Dad. So when Apollo is leaving here, he really, this is as if this might be the last time he sees his dad. Like, he has to think of it that way. Kind of like I had to think about when I went to London and this might be the only time I go here. And so I packed as much into that vacation as possible. Mm. <laughs> same thing. <laughs>
0: same, same exact thing. Yeah.
1: Same thing. Uh, when he leaves, we see Adama's hand start to move. In the hangar, the deck crew is building new cells. And, you know, the only thing that could make this scene better for me is if it had Ellen because it's fucking jammer and <laughs> Callie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Oh, man. Jammer asks
1: Callie if she's going to help, and she says they're going to put Chief in there. Jammer doesn't care if they're putting a giant parakeet in there. The colonel says build a cell, he builds a cell, because he's a good soldier, you know? That Jammer. He just, you know, whatever, Nazi youth. Callie says that this isn't right. Chief is one of us. And Jammer says, no, he's one of them. They just didn't see it. Callie says he's innocent, and Boomer tricked him. Jammer just marvels at her loyalty and asks if she was fracking the chief too and so she screams and goes after him and he gets control of her and says that if she wants to be pissed at someone be pissed at Boomer. Lee and his guard meet Dee in the hallway again and he asks quietly if everything's set and she confirms and then says that she can't chit chat today and heads off. Then they run into racetrack who has run up and up to Apollo, and say says that she's having trouble with the ordinance tracking on her raptor. And he turns to his guards and says, change of plans, not going to be able to get rack time since I have to go do the lieutenant's job for her. And they head to the hangar bay without the guards. So I guess and... the guards only are only with him when he's off duty?
0: Yeah, I, I don't know.
1: He doesn't need to have them around him when he's on duty? I. It seems like here's, here's the hole in that plan, and Ty pays for it
0: yeah i I mean you you definitely in an earlier scene when um he's leaving the pilot's ready room or whatever Mm -hmm. and they you know he sees the sergeant or whatever you know i i get the impression that it's so easy breezy that they could just kind of not always be with him all the time like it's not it wasn't as important they were like like, keeping him at his word, which he breaks, um, that he would not work to sow insurrection. Right. Um, But I really just got distracted because racetrack showed up, so...
1: (laughs) We go back to the brig, where Venner is telling Marine to make it look like... Or make it... What does he say? Make it look real, but not so real? Yeah. (laughs) Or good, but not so good, or something?
0: Yeah, that's a trope you know beat me up trope yeah
1: (laughs) uh so once he's knocked out they release Rosalind from her cell and start heading to the hangar but as they do as they're going through causeway b they are stopped by a private with a gun Rosalind asks her if she knows who she is and she does and she says good you and i have something in common we each took an oath to protect and defend the articles of colonization those articles are under attack as is our entire democratic way of life Now, my duty won't let me stand here and allow that to happen, so I intend to go through that hatch and get off this ship. We cut to the hangar bay, where Apollo is very concerned that the president and her people are not there yet, and then Rosalind convinces the private to let them pass, and they get to the hangar. Apollo tells her they need to go. She sees Billy and grabs his arm, and he tells her that he isn't getting on the ship with her. He says, I understand what you're trying to do, but it's going to divide the fleet, At the very best, it'll create an insurgency against Adama. At the worst, a civil war. Taking part in that is a line that I won't cross. And this happened because Paul Campbell had an opportunity to be on another show or something. Like he'd booked something else. And so they weren't going to have him for a couple episodes. So Ron Moore wrote this as like a way for Billy to be around, but not with them.
0: Yeah, he said he was con- contractually obligated, um, and this actually factors into some developments a little bit later in the show mm. <laughs> with Billy. I That's
1: was wondering reason- if that was why.
0: Yeah, the reasoning why, um, and uh, yeah, just one one thing really quickly um, about about that scene. It's, it's kind of interesting because it's like he's, you know, I know the real I know the real world reason why he has the leap, but his reasoning is a little, like faulty to me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's like he's like, he's kind of taking this high ground, except he was actually causing all of it to happen. So you know, yeah, but, like
1: he but, took part in all of it up to him actually physically leaving the ship with them. And at this point, like yeah. I don't understand what what it matters because if if Adama doesn't wake up at the end of this episode, at, like he does, if it's mm-hmm. still tie with his martial law ship, Billy's going in the brig. Yeah, because you were involved. One way or another, you were involved in this, and you're here, yeah. so you're going in the break. Like, just it, and also this, like, at the best, it'll create an insurgency against Adama. At worst, a civil war. That sounds like the same thing.
0: I I think a better reasoning for him could have been just like the, you know, the people or government still needs a representative, and and if it was a little bit more self-sacrificing, um, that might have floated a little bit better than me with this his principled stance it doesn't really seem to hold up. But yeah. You know, whatever. Um, yeah, whatever. Yeah. So he
1: wishes uh, her well.
0: Just real quick the two back back in the in the hallway with the uh the uh, soldier that lets mm-hmm. her go. Um I, I noticed like she when she calls her Madam President and kinda mm-hmm. mirrors back to when they noticed um uh it's a Tren- trenner Venner. Benner um, that he calls her Madam President so just you know that she definitely recognizes her still as like mm-hmm. being a legitimate so
1: yeah so they launch and Lee tells the control that they're on a medical mission and gives a code Rosalind sees Alosha and they both express happiness to see each other Alosha says something like I don't even think I touched the floor coming here and the raptor is given clearance to launch in the CIC, Gaeta tells Ty that Venner reported the former president is missing. Ty orders to set condition two. No one gets off the ship. Gata does that, but then mentions that a Raptor departed the ship two minutes ago with Doc Cottle on a medical emergency. Ty tells them to confirm that. He then tells them to get the cap and have them intercept and to get Apollo out of the brig. Dee tells Ty that Doc Cottle is still on the Galactica and that he was forced to request a raptor at gunpoint by Captain Adama. Ty instructs Dee to put him in contact with the raptor. Gator reports that the cap has visual on the raptor. Ty tells Apollo to turn the raptor around or shoot him down, and Lee refuses. Ty says that he'll do it. It doesn't matter that he's the old man's son. And Apollo's like, well, you gotta do what you gotta do. And severs communications. Ty orders Hot Dog to fire across the Raptor's bow. D reports that the Raptor isn't turning around after Hot Dog's warning shot. Ty asks where they are, and D answers that they're approaching Cloud 9. Gata says if they dock there, they'll lose them because Cloud 9 is one of the busiest transport hubs in the fleet. There are shuttles coming and going constantly. They could board one and take off before they can shut down air traffic. Hot Dog is requesting to what to know if he needs to fire at them again or not ty thinks it over like do i kill my best friend's kid over this am i proving my manhood to my poisonous wife <laughs> no he tells hot dog to hold his fire everyone breathes a sigh of relief he turns to the crew and says that they couldn't have done this on their own did anyone notice any off log calls or scrambled communications he looks at gata who says no nothing and then looks at d who is barely hiding her guilt
0: yeah it was a good framing it had gata on one side and mm-hmm. ty on the other side and the blurry d in the background right yeah. in between them yeah
1: so the fugitives land on cloud nine they deboard with lee saying that they're home free for now they are greeted by tom zarek Rosalind asks why he's there lee explains that once Ty gets over his shock, he's going to send troops to search for them. If they're going to make it, they need to keep on the move. He figured Zarek is the only one in the fleet with enough shady friends to hide them. Zarek is actually amused by that and is like, oh, I love how he put that.
0: Planting seeds for a black market. Right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Roslyn says, well, Mr. Zarek, it would seem the enemy of the enemy enemy, of the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And he tells her to call him Tom. This isn't the last time we'll see these two partner up in a crisis, though. So stay mm-hmm. tuned.
0: Yeah. Um, I thought it was funny, quote, unquote, funny, because Lee was already dressing up for uh, the home two-parter <laughs> in a few episodes. <laughs> he had his camouflage uh, yeah. jacket on.
1: <laughs> Back on Caprica, Starbuck is checking out this makeshift pyramid court that the Bucks have installed. And she throws the ball, and Anders comments on her goal. Uh, the, ru- the rules of this game are not clear. Um, mm-hmm. My notes are, is it basketball? Is it wrestling? Is it American football? Is it cornhole? <laughs> All of the above? None? Who knows? Michael Michael Truco and Katie Sakoff didn't know. Um, he said that they basically had to make these things up before they shot. They spent... A day or so with some stunt coordinators working out different movements and passable rules of the game so that they could shoot the sequence. They flirt in the way that Starbuck flirts, which is, like, by antagonizing. (laughs) And he challenges her to a game. She tells him that she was scouted for the pros, but her bum knee took her out of contention. And he asks if that's going to be her excuse when he kicks her ass. Oh, my knee hurts. (laughs) And, I mean, yes, she just slammed it into a moon rock not that long ago. She just gave up her cane. Like... Maybe her knee will hurt. I don't know. She snarks back that at least she has an excuse, unlike him. And they play, and it's just a lot of like rolling around on the concrete together. And it doesn't seem a very comfortable place to be playing this kind of game. Maybe it's normally played on a softer surface. So I don't know. Uh, she makes a really good shot, to which he s- says to her as they're like pressed up against each other that it was a good shot. And then I guess that's the end of the game because he walks off.
0: I'm a DJ. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a I'm a pyramid for that.
1: I know. Uh, is there anything she can't do?
0: Uh she actually well no. Did she say that before? Or maybe I was just it maybe it was in the director's it commentary. The show, it was in the show, but Bible. Bible. yeah, he yeah, so I remember uh Ron Moore had said this about her knee and all that other stuff. Um I'm wondering if there's like a like military to pyramid pipeline because she... I think she was like in the academy or something when she was playing.
1: Was she in there... the academy when she was playing, or she joined the academy after she hurt her knee and couldn't I play don't... professionally?
0: I feel like it was. A, I feel like she was in the academy and she was. I, I could be making it up. And then her knee hurt, and then she just she started <laughs> flying because she couldn't play.
1: Based on what Adama says about how much G forces you have to handle with your knees, doesn't seem mm-hmm. like it's any better to be a pilot if your knee (laughs) is the problem
0: yeah i don't know it's just like it's like um you know like their army and navy has their football teams and basketball teams and stuff so uh but i only say any of that because i i still have i've still always tried to resolve i don't quite buy the um you know professional athletes as like um Competent resistance fighters in the way that they we first meet them, the way mm. it's like I'm watching the way they're holding the guns and stuff, and I'm just like I don't know, they all look too trained, you know one guy's <laughs> a, one guys a sniper rifle the way he's holding it, everybody looks like they know what they're doing, you know
1: well, they've been there for like ten weeks
0: right I, it like to me, if you have it, there's like a way there's like a way that you would hold a weapon if you were trained versus like I just if I picked up a gun and I just started shooting it and I shot it forever I still wouldn't have like like someone still would have to tell me like no hold it this put your elbow up and hold your arm steady like all that stuff um like you get it's just you can see it and like the mm-hmm. way that they were all holding their weapons on everybody they just looked too competent is all I'm saying okay um, but Ron Moore, he talked about why they chose, uh, them to be professional pyramid players. And I, in sort of like principle, I agree with it. He said it was like, it was more interesting than if they were just like, you know, a bunch of like actual soldiers that had escaped. He thought that that was too boring. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I can kind of see that, but I just, you know, cause I, I think when I first saw it, it didn't register to me that, <laughs> that Anders was like actual pyramid player just because of how militaristic they he seemed, you know? Yeah.
1: I, I um I know what you mean.
0: They yeah. just seem
1: a little they seem a little too competent.
0: Yeah, like the Sea Bucks could easily be like the Navy SEALs or something. You know, not like <laughs> not, not a professional team, but like Maybe you know?
1: they actually are. Maybe the Sea yeah. is their cover.
0: Yeah. So anyways, I that's just that's what that's always been my little nitpick about that. But in general, this, this whole episode's a little breezy with a lot of stuff, but mm-hmm. um, it's fine. I think having having um, Anders be one of the final five actually resolves some of my discord with this, you know? Even though that wasn't the plan from the beginning, but it makes more sense to me why he's as competent and the leader and that kind of stuff later. Because he's a but, thousand years old. yeah.
1: He's lived multiple times. Sure.
0: He's like Highlander.
1: (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, we go back to the brig. Chief is being released. He thanks Baltar, who tells him to thank Boomer. He asks what she had to do with it, and Baltar says everything. Nothing. He leans against the bars and is caressed by Head Six. He says, love is a strange and wonderful thing. You'd be happy you experienced it at all, even if it was with a machine. Head Six smiles. They all turn and look at Boomer, who is being taken away by some guards. Chief asks what they're going to do with her. Baltar says they're setting up a new holding facility. There will be tests, mental, physical. Chief questions if it's like some kind of lab rat, and Baltar says that's the idea. And Chief seems conflicted by this. We go back to Ty's quarters where Ellen is Ellening she is hurling it results at Ty about him being a laughingstock because he let Lee pull the wool over his eyes and get away. You didn't want to command? Well, you won't have it for long because when push came to shove, you got shoved. Ty says it's Adama's son and then Adama comes in and says Saul's name and Ellen has a brief moment of oh fuck in her eyes before she turns around. And I wrote, too bad there isn't an airlock nearby. <laughs> Adama asks what has been happening on his ship. He tells the guards to wait in the hall and asks Ellen for privacy to speak with his XO. And she's all sweetness when she says, of course. But she leaves looking back at her machinations not succeeding because mm-hmm. now Adama is awake. Ty helps Adama into a chair. He asks what happened and Ty tells him that he fracked everything up. He wants to know how and Ty says he made some bad calls. Adama says that he's done that, but Ty's like, yeah, not like these. Adama gestures to the booze and asks if Ty's going to pour them a drink, which Ty never says no to. (laughs) Adama then says that he's never had much use for people who second-guessed his decisions, especially if they've never held a command. Ellen. (laughs) I think that was like indirect result to him overhearing what Ellen was saying when he came in. He says they don't understand the pressure. You make a call and it affects thousands of lives. You don't have anyone to turn to for backup. Ty says that Adama makes it look easy. And Adama says that now Ty knows that that's a lie. And Ty says that there's a lot of pieces to pick up. Adama says they'll pick them up together. And then he asks where his son is. We cut to Boomer being led down the hallway with people on all sides yelling at her. This was directly supposed to be a sort of Jack Ruby, uh, JFK thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They said they lifted it straight from like those images. Everyone's calling her a bitch and a traitor and a toaster. Chief is behind her. Callie appears in front of her and shoots her in the stomach. She collapses and Chief catches her. Callie is put in handcuffs, but she looks very pleased with herself. And then... Boomer says that she loves Chief, and she dies. Her theme song plays, and Chief looks around, and then back down at her, and a drop of her blood falls to the floor, and we go to credits.
0: little full circle there.
1: Yep. So, fuck Callie, and uh, <laughs> fuck Ellen, and fuck Jammer.
0: <laughs> Jammer hasn't even really done anything yet, you're like judging him based just, on what you know,
1: and, well, no, I'm seeing him more clearly,
0: yeah, no, I mean' based on what I'm, I know listen, I'm in the same same boat as you. I was just kinda like I was like, yeah, he, he hasn't really done anything yet, but just we know where he ends up, so everything he does now, you're like, yeah, that guy, yep,
1: <laughs> but I mean, I also know what everybody does, and there's very like zarek does some bad things Gata does some bad things like i don't hate them
0: yeah i think i don't know i think it's just our level of love for the for the people like you <laughs> you, you you like you don't expect anything good out of zarek right so it's like they zarek, zarek um we love gata um it was a shock for basic really when you see jammer put on that cap and
1: yeah, but see what I'm what I'm noticing now is if you're paying attention it's not that much of a shock. Mm-hmm. This is this is who he has been.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's
1: consistent characterization. It was smart of them to have it be Jammer because they probably looked back at what they'd had Jammer doing up to this point and like, "Oh, it makes sense that he would be one of the citizen police or whatever they called them."
0: Fracking coward.
1: Yeah. So um, Michael Trucco said that working with Katie made him a better actor. He was talking about how she's like 10 years younger than him. And at the time she was like in her early 20s and that she works really instinctually and or instinct, instinctively and like really embodies her characters and taps into their emotions and motivations. And it just made him better, which I thought was a really nice thing to say and really – Interesting. And then Trisha told a story about when they were shooting 33, Edward James almost wanted them all to just stay awake for like 24 hours so they could adequately feel and- what their characters were feeling. And Katie was like, no. And when he asked her why, she said, I'll act tired. <laughs> I,
0: remember, I can't remember where I saw this, but I remember him saying that she was like a, like a young Marlon Brando with her acting at some point. Who said that? Her. Truco? No, um, Eddie James almost. Eddie, Eddie, almost. Oh. He said that about her, and this was like I think it's like around that first season. I can't remember where he said it, or, but yeah, I, you know, and I like the first season of her acting. I was as I was always a little critical of it. Mm-hmm. Um, well, now that we've gotten back and I watch it, I actually kind of read it more. of Just like that's how Starbuck would have been, yeah. at that time. Um, And it's after she, like, everything kind of breaks for her at the end of this first season, she plays Starbuck appropriately, which is, you know, um, like it's almost like the fun and games are over for Starbuck. Yeah. Um, And and then she's like, she's always annoyed.
1: She's a little less of a hothead.
0: Yeah, she's less of a hothead. She's, like, really annoyed all the time. And I just love that, like, she plays the character a lot differently you don't really see the whimsy of her except in that um i think just off my memory except in the flashback episode with uh lee and new caprica yeah but for the most part yeah she's just like kind of like soberly annoyed with everything and she just i mean she just plays again i was i was more critical of it but now i'm just like oh no she's actually playing the character like she would have been (laughs) you know so she is masterful at that
1: um he also said that he had auditioned for the apollo role and went in for it several times he had several callbacks Mm. but he never tested he said like nothing against jamie like jamie was the right person and that he i believe he said jamie's brilliant and Mm -hmm. definitely should have gotten that role it was right for him but he initially thought that this part was perfect for him because he had been on a on a show called like Pensacola Wings or something. Pensacola, of, yeah,
0: Pensacola Wings of Gold, <laughs>
1: <laughs> where he played a fighter pilot whose father yeah. was a commander that he had a strained relationship with, and he was like, "Oh my God, this role is made for me! I know how to do this." And then he didn't yeah. get it. But bring that up he on said TV he, he doesn't know if they just kind of kept him in mind and brought him in for anders when there was a role that they thought like let's see that guy or if he just got submitted again um it, he had confirmed that it was the same casting director for the miniseries and the series but he doesn't know he just knows that he got called in mm-hmm. he got an audition for anders and he auditioned for it
0: yeah i never knew that uh yeah i could totally see him as Apollo. actually that's interesting I mean, he looks like um, Richard Hatch, the younger Richard Hatch. So. Kind
1: of, he's more yeah. handsome. And Richard Hatch was handsome.
0: The young Richard, ha- young Richard Hatch was a handsome. Fellow. He was handsome
1: for sure. Yeah, yeah. There's just something about Michael Trucco. I don't know what it is. I remember like when I first saw him because I used to go to Sarah's house and watch this on Friday nights, and he shows up in Downloaded, and I was like, oh damn, and then <laughs> like. When we see him in the next two episodes, I was just like, "Oh my god, I love him!" And she was <laughs> like, "Why?" And I was like, "He's so hot." And she's like, "I don't get you." <laughs> like, okay, like, and I never let go of that. Like, he's he's tall. He's got perfect teeth. He's got really blue eyes. He's just so. I find him so so appealing.
0: Yeah, I mean, I I mean, he doesn't do it for me, but you know, everybody, <laughs> we all have our thing, right? So. Yeah, and and as our friend
1: Darnell liked to point out, I tend to like guys who look like frat guys, which is weird (laughs) because (laughs) I don't like frat guys. But sometimes I'm just really into like a Chris Evans or a Ben Affleck or a Michael Trucco. I don't know. They can't all be Pedro. They can't all be Ben Barnes, like guys who don't look like everyone else. Sometimes it's just, I guess I like a, you know, fratty white guy. I don't know. I've never dated any of them, but I like them when they're actors, I guess. I don't know. I don't know. You're like head over heels over racetrack and I'm like, yeah, she's cute.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I was kind of <laughs> like thinking. I was like, yeah, I mean, I, I don't I don't know why. I just see her and I'm just like it it's like I I don't tend to um like in the real world don't tend to like find myself attracted to people that look like her. Right. But then like but in TV land it's like if you know dark hair <laughs> <laughs> and then i'm like oh i remember <laughs> watching i remember watching uh what's the show um i s- i'm a big s club fan s- <laughs> and there's this there's one one of the girls like she had like her name is tina barrett and she just like she has that like kind of like dark hair look and i just like i was like you're you're amazing and i don't know why like she wasn't even like the hot quote unquote hot one that everybody liked but that was like the one that i'm like oh yeah she's 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 the hottest one for me. Hmm. Um, yeah, but like in real life, I don't necessarily find myself attracted to people like that. So, don't know, don't know what's going on. Uh, Celix was another one. <laughs> <laughs> I think Celix
1: is really cute too.
0: Yeah, apparently she was a model. I right when when we were doing research for the last couple episodes, I looked her looked her up and I was like, hmm. she was a model. That was kind of
1: That makes sense. She's well, very tall. Yeah,
0: yeah, very tall. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, in an early draft of the script for Resistance, had Ellen Tai in the CIC encouraging her husband to shoot down President Roslin and Leodama's ship as they escaped the Galactica. And the producers also planned for Boomer to refer to Chief Tyrol by his first name, Galen, during her dying moments, but decided against the idea. Tyrol's first name tends to get a chuckle the first time people hear it, explains Ron Moore, and I didn't want that spoiling the moment for the audience.
0: Hmm.
1: also boomers death was um or she was originally supposed to survive her walk through the galactica to her newly constructed cage prison and was set to become the subject of various experiments in the show's following episodes but as tony grafia was writing she got a new idea and she said ron and i both share a fascination with the JFK conspiracy, and have many books on the subject. When he wrote the f- season one finale, he compared Adama being shot to the, ca- and the chaos that followed with how it must have been in the moments following the Kennedy assassination. So I came up with the idea that if Boomer was essentially our Lee Harvey Oswald, what if we had a Jack Ruby who in turn shot her? Our natural Ooh. Jack Ruby was Callie. She loved Adama, idolized Tyrrell and felt betrayed by Boomer. When she went to Ron with the idea of killing Boomer, at first she just asked the other writers for their opinion, and they all loved it. So they said, don't tell Ron, let it be a surprise, and then you'll really know if it works or not. So I went ahead and wrote it and then just held my breath, and it was a big risk. Ron could have hated it, but luckily he loved it. Um, David Ike also says, we really put Ty in an unfavorable light in resistance. As the episode opens, he's beating the shit out of Chief Tyrrell, who is one of the audience's favorite characters. And it just gets worse from there. But the wonderful thing about Michael Hogan is that there's something about his performance and it's completely uncompromising nature that still makes him a very sympathetic character despite everything.
0: Well, and we also know, like, again, we, again as much as we love Tyrrell, we know he did some things to that allowed quote unquote allowed some of this to happen you know so it's understandable that he would be in that position where they would think he was a Cylon so I didn't I wasn't like I wasn't turned off by by what they were doing with him because it was like well okay kind of makes sense how are they gonna get out of this one you know yeah as it turned out he was, but
1: whatever. <laughs> Maybe it's, so is Ty, so what are you going to do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: This is a silent heavy episode. <clears throat> All
1: right. So was Baltar the worst this week?
0: I do not think he was the worst.
1: No. I think that is firmly in Ellen's camp.
0: Yeah. I had, I mean, yeah. I have Ellen and Callie a little bit. Hmm.
1: yeah. Well, yes, I agree.
0: <laughs> I mean, I know you, you're you a You feel the hate. <laughs> Let it uh, flow.
1: <laughs> who gets full colors?
0: Uh, I, I'm, I guess I'm going to say Lee. Yeah, that's it's what I said. T- is, yeah, it's a, kind of a tough one for me, but I think Lee, I think he was the most active in making everything happen in this episode. He
1: also just came up with a very good plan that worked.
0: Yeah. And he was already on it even before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So he had already been. Yeah. Like he was already thinking
1: about this before Rosalind was like, uh, shit's getting bad. I need to get out of here. It's like, he wasn't going to suggest it to her, but as soon as she's like, um, he's like, oh, I'm on it.
0: (laughs) <laughs> yeah <laughs> i've uh, already talked to my people and yeah he even had the eric thing kind of yeah planted the seeds for that probably because he was wanting to go to the black market stuff later oh, sh- sure anyway. sure
1: i'm sure that's exactly why gotta <laughs> visit those prostitutes yeah <laughs> who would you throw out the airlock
0: yeah i mean it'd be ellen with, yep. you know maybe maybe callie oh poor callie
1: She'll have her time in an airlock. Yeah, that's what I just that's what
0: I was just thinking. I was like, wait a minute. It's almost like uh I felt like too soon or something but I was she's a fictional character, but i was like, oh man, that's literally uh it's a little too literal. I said Ellen. Yeah. I just for me it was an out I mean, it clearly Ellen. Um I just Callie just a little bit. I mean, I actually like Callie um all the way till the end, but I just like in this episode she's just a little too unhinged, you know? And I actually understand all of what she does, but at the same time it's just like like calm down, <laughs> you know? Like just fighting jammer, she's trying yeah. to push Baltar she shoots someone. The episode ago she didn't want to like shoot her gun. Now right. she's like shooting people in the hallway. Right. Who you couldn't you? shoot
1: some Cylons, but yeah. I guess you can shoot this Cylon. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Where can people find us on the interwebs?
0: You can find us on, uh, well, our Galactica actually. Is that the name of our Instagram? That's
1: our Instagram, yep.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, my Instagram is Angela. I mean, my Instagram is the Armageddon. Um, I also have Angela and the Dark. And I have Poops of Life also, want to check that out. Um, and we recorded another episode of TV Obscura this past week, which will be out by the time this is uh, out. And we're talking about a favorite, uh, sci-fi favorite for some people called Captain Power and the Soldiers of the Future, um, who dedicated the entire episode to talk all about it. And uh, that's it. Um, and uh Angela Dark Motion Comic will be coming out very soon.
1: Okay. We have a show Twitter, Galactica or sorry, Galactually Pod and a Gmail account, Galactica at gmail.com. If you have any comments or questions. If you want to hear my past work, I was on the Unspoiled Network covering Doctor Who, Bandit Brothers, Punisher Lost, Vampire Diaries and do you want to give a little shout out to people who've left reviews
0: yeah um so but first of all yeah if you guys uh leave us a review we'll go ahead and give you a really cool shout out on the show so we hope anyone listening um goes to our apple podcast posts and gives us five stars and gives us the reviews. It helps us out um, to get more people to get the word out about the show. Um, having said that, um, would like to give a shout out to Zach um, who gave us a really cool review. He says he'd never watched the show, but now because he's listened to us, he it's um, he's starting to, so it's a great job all around and, and another... invest in some
1: Blu-ray Zach.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh kf punk <laughs> he says so say we all epic podcast uh he gives us some props uh, uh it-, it spurred him to do a rewatch of the of his all-time favorite sci-fi series same as nice. myself and he says that both of us are fun to listen to and keep it up so um, we would love to hear what you guys have to say send us um uh, again our email send us to our email um, if you have any questions or anything you like to cover if anybody's out there listening you know I'm still watching the old school Battlestar Galactica I'm saving some stuff for later um, but uh, I watched an episode with unicorns
1: oh my um,
0: <laughs> and I'm probably going to share some video of that on our, uh, on our Instagram at some point because <laughs> um, I was just like what is happening right now
1: <laughs> wow
0: um yeah it was like it was like the show's classic and i talked to some people that don't even like they they actually watch the show and they don't even remember that episode and i was like yeah i think we all just like blank that one out because it's it was that bad um but yeah send us emails if you have any questions uh anything that you'd like us to like talk about or cover um and then also yeah leave reviews and um check out our instagram and even though I don't touch Twitter anymore, but it's still, I know there's just like no the like group.
1: good alternative. Maybe we should make a Facebook group. Let's see if anybody. Uh, wants I mean, to.
0: I mean, I think Twitter's fine. Like, I just personally don't use it anymore, and uh, well, a lot of it is just because Twitter is a uh, Dumpster a battlefield. Fire? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a battlefield even before all the elon musk stuff came up i was just like this isn't really good for my mental health you know yeah so
1: all right well anything else
0: um no that's it next week we have the farm which was a really interesting episode at least to me in my memory so um,
1: it's very disturbing
0: yeah very disturbing
1: all right then until next week what do you hear
0: Nothing but the rain. Bye. See ya.